I'm Jason Pfeiffer. I'm the editor-in-chief of This Right Here, Entrepreneur Magazine. I'm the man of the hour. And what we are talking about today is how to be adaptable, how to seize the moment. We are in a moment of great change. It can be a moment of great opportunity for you. Are you ready? Because I'm ready, Jason. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, what we're going to start with is your story, but that's what this special is all about. I think that what you've built with the entrepreneur media and the brand in and of itself is one thing, but then I want to start with your story to give folks a better understanding of where this all could have even come from, Jason. Sounds good. Where do I begin? (laughs) From the beginning. (laughs) From the beginning. Well, the beginning is being born in White Plains, New York. That's probably not very exciting. I graduated college with not really a great idea of what it is that I wanted to do, but knowing a few things. I knew I loved to write. I knew I loved to meet people. I knew that as a reporter, people just let me into their homes and they tell me things. This is a pretty amazing pass to the world. And I didn't have any connections. I didn't know anybody. I had very little experience. The best I could get was a job at a community newspaper. And so I took this job at the Gardner News Circulation 6000 back in 2002. I don't know what it is now, covering nothing because nothing was happening in Gardner, Massachusetts. I mean, you know, what was happening in Gardner, Massachusetts was just the usual stuff, uh, random little crimes. And there were sometimes big crimes, uh, courts, schools, whatever. And uh, after a year of that, I and I promise I'm not going to go job by job, but I'll tell you this one story as a way to get an understanding of how I've conducted my career ever since. After about a year at the Gardner News, being a local news reporter, which was not a job I loved. I hated it, to be honest with you. And the reason I hated it was because I just didn't feel it wasn't anything that I was passionate about. I didn't care about this community. I didn't really like working for this newspaper. I felt like I was made to do bigger things, but nobody bigger would take me seriously. And frankly, I didn't have the skills to do it. But What I did have was a willingness to learn and an ambition and a relentlessness. And I realized after a year or so that although I was sitting around being like, why am I not writing for the New York Times, the Washington Post? Why am I sitting here in Gardner, Massachusetts? The answer is because I hadn't proven myself and nobody from the New York Times was ever going to read my story about the middle school play and say, kid, that was great. We're bringing you up to the big time, right? Like you're covering the white house now. Like this is not going to happen. And so I needed to go to them. I needed to leave that job and I needed to figure out how to go to them because nobody was ever going to come to me. If you sit around thinking that the thing that you're doing by itself is going to be the bat signal that just drives people to you, it will never happen. You have to go to them. So I quit and I sat in my bedroom, which was in Holden, Massachusetts, tiny little town. I was sharing a dumpy apartment with three friends and literally next to a graveyard. And I started cold pitching, cold pitching editors who I did not know, who worked at places that I was not sure would take me seriously. And it took a long time. It took eight, nine months. I mean, you know, I, 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 I scrounged together enough freelance work to pay the bills. Luckily it was pretty cheap, but rent was $500 a month. So it wasn't that much. I Don't we to miss earn. those days? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, that is not New York, uh, not New, New York, York. and I will tell you. And 
I uh, I eventually landed in the Washington Post and a number of salon uh, salon.com, which was big at the time and uh, the Boston Globe and Associated Press. And anyway, that set me on this path where I realized I need to continue to do this. I need to continue to be going to people, to be proving myself to people, to aggressively push into places that I feel like I can be in, but that I am not being invited into and that I, maybe I don't even have the skills to get into, but I'm pretty sure I could learn. And that took me to another newspaper job and then Boston Magazine. And then I moved to New York and I went to work for Men's Health and then Fast Company and then Maxim. And then eventually I went to Entrepreneur, originally as executive editor, and then uh, took over as editor-in-chief in 2016. And since then have basically tried to push into all these other spaces while also running entrepreneur, speaking, book writing, television, podcasts, consulting, everything has been driven by that singular insight at the beginning, which is just go to them. I was going to write that on like the whiteboard right behind me, right? Or like these go little sound them. cloud things. Go to them, period. Three words. Because then you think about it. It's like a, I used to hear all the time that one particle of motion attracts other particles. But mm-hmm. unless you start doing anything, period, none of that's really meant to be happened for you. I mean, now at the entrepreneur, and this is interesting because I feel like during a time where you can maximize anything right now, we're on a Zoom call. We've been mm-hmm. on Zoom calls since 84 episodes ago, and yeah. this is just the way that things are, aka you have a lot of flexibility, you have a lot of opportunities to in the digital space, for instance, and I'm sure you've yeah. seen this with Entrepreneur, but is yep. there anything you've found particularly in the past couple of years where you have been able to kind of bring to surface things that you would have never been able to do should we had not been remote, as flexible as things are now, and to be honest, as complicated as things are? Oh, well, that's interesting. I... Yes and no. So I have always, I mean, I, I guess an extension of go to them is this idea that I have called work your next job. And the idea is that in front of you at any one time, you have two sets of opportunities. Opportunity set A, opportunity set B. Opportunity set A is everything that's being asked of you. You show up at work and your boss has expectations. There are things that you have to do every day to just be a good employee or whatever. That's opportunity set A. Opportunity set B is everything that is available to you that nobody's asking you to do. And that can be stuff at your work. That can be working on different projects. That can be learning different things. But it can also be things outside of your work, things that you just do at home. I I started a podcast back in 2016 or 2015 or something. Nobody had asked me to do it. It wasn't part of my work. It was something that I did on the side. Because I was interested in it and because I enjoy podcasts and because I thought that doing it would teach me something. What? I don't know, but it'll teach me something and I'll be able to use that somehow. How? I don't know, but we'll just do it. And we'll see what happens. That's work your next job. And I am a firm believer that opportunity set B, which is to say the things that are available to you that nobody's asking you to do is the most important of the two. It is the critical one because opportunity set A, I mean, look, you cannot ignore opportunity set A. You'll get fired. You won't have any income. But if you just focus on opportunity set A, all you will ever do is be qualified to do the things you're already doing. But opportunity set B is where real progress happens. And so I have always done that to some degree. So when the pandemic came along, you know, I was already reaching out into new spaces. Uh, I, I was already podcasting and 
keynote speaking and whatever. And some of that had to change. And some of it, frankly, didn't have to change all that much. You know, the big change for me during this time has been that for the last couple of years, I had been developing a lot of insights and speaking quite a bit about change, about how people turn moments of change into moments of opportunity. And that had come out of me recognizing that the one thing that all the successful people that I had spoke to had in common was an adaptability. And I got very interested in that. How does that work? How are they doing it? And also, as I look back at the history of innovation, which I do for this podcast I do called Build for Tomorrow, I saw that over and over again, these are really stories about adaptability, about how something new was created and people didn't understand it and they freaked out about it and they missed the opportunities. And then slowly, 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 they figured it out. And sometimes the person who invented the thing had to come up with some way to communicate it or to get people to understand it, which is the story of how we finally came to embrace the car and the elevator and all sorts of stuff. And anyway, so I had, I had this insight and, but I didn't really know how to talk about it. And I didn't really understand what the point of it was. Why do people want to know about change now? Why do they want to listen to me? And then the pandemic comes along and it is a radical moment of change for everybody. And uh, my friend who's a book agent calls me up and he's like, hey, you've been thinking about doing a book about change for a long time. Guess what? Now's the time. Like it's now because this is, this is the moment that everybody is in need of this insight. <clears throat> and he was right. And I had to really, really push myself to figure out how to talk about this, how to make it useful, how to make it valuable to people, how to take these insights that I have and turn them into exercises, advice, something. Like I, I had the raw material and the world shifted. And I think that we all need to look at a moment like this and say, where is the white space? Where have the incumbents fallen? Where do people need us now more than ever? And how can I step up and be that solution? And it kicked my ass into gear. And I have transformed with that I think and talk about myself in the last two years because of it. I want to go back with you for a moment. And then I also want to uncover what you had just said. So to go back, mm -hmm. I think there is something here where if you choose to go through A or B, did you ever tell yourself you're just going to do both? It seems like you had did both, but can you give well, us- Well, I better, do do both. Right? Still today. So then is there, is there a secret to that? Because I think a lot of times people are just sitting in just one job or you know whatever the one gig is for them right now, not thinking that they have enough time or energy or maybe ambition. I don't know what it is, but can you walk us through how you've been able to manage both? Yeah, sure. Well, so first of all, let me challenge the idea that you don't have enough time. You will never, ever look around and say, finally, I have the time. Like It's just not going to happen. You, it's not how time works. You always fill time. I don't know if you're familiar with this thing called Parkinson's law, but it's really great. Parkinson's law means work. It's a, the, well, it's you know just one of those little like idea laws. But anyway, what it says is work expands to fit the time allotted, which is to say that if you give yourself a lot of time to do some work, it'll take you that amount of time. If you give yourself a little amount of time to do the work, it'll take you a little amount of time. Like work expands to fit the time, and this is what we do. We have the things that we have and it fills our time. And I think sometimes people look around and they think, well, I, I would 
try that other thing, but I don't have the time. You never have the time. You got to make the time. And how do you make the time? Well, look, I'd say, think about it like this. Think about it like a balloon. Think about time like a balloon. The, The idea of sitting around and saying, you know, if only I had the time, I would go learn this other thing. If only I had the time. That is like saying, this balloon should expand so that air can fit into it. That's not how balloons expand. Balloons do not expand before the air goes into it. You do not have the time before you have the thing to fill the time. Doesn't work that way. All these things increase under pressure. How do you, how do you expand a balloon? By blowing air to it, into it. The, the balloon expands to accommodate the air. Your time expands to accommodate the new things. So you want to learn how to make a podcast? Great. Buy a microphone. It costs $50. If you have a Mac then you've already got a editing software on it called GarageBand. It's free. Now you have everything you need to make a podcast. Start making the podcast. And you will find that maybe you don't have the time to make a podcast. Okay, fine. What else can you do to accommodate? Now you've got this new thing. You are under pressure. So take a look around. Are you doing things that are wasting your time? Are you spending too much time on Twitter? Is that valuable to you? No? Get rid of it. Can you reorganize the way that you do this and that other thing? Yes, do it. This is how I've done it. It's not crazy. It's not, I mean, look, I I am doing way more things right now than anybody reasonably should be doing. I'm running a national magazine. I am running a speaking business, functionally speaking. I host two podcasts and I had hosted a third. I am having conversations about television development. I uh, uh, just wrote a book and now I'm preparing to market it. I'm, I, I'm an advisor to a bunch of startups. How the hell am I doing all that? Because every time a good opportunity comes along or every time I have an idea for an opportunity, I say yes to it. And then I figure out how it gets done. And the way that it gets done is that I offload things or I say, you know what, this thing I'm no longer doing because it doesn't make sense or I'm not going to do it in the same way. Or this podcast, I used to produce it in a way that took me five hours every week to make it. And I don't have that time anymore. So we're going to figure out how to do it in one instead. And that's how you do it. That's how you do it. So after that, what's the balance? Well, to me, the balance is, you know, like what, what are the things and opportunities that be that I want to invest in? What are the things that I feel like are going to get me to the next phase of my career, whatever that is? And I don't know exactly. So I identify something that is core to me, something that I, I, I don't care how exactly it gets done, but this is the thing that I want to do. To me, that is, I tell stories in my own voice. That's what I do. I tell stories in my own voice, not magazine stories, not podcasts, not a, I tell stories in my own voice. So everything that I do that is opportunity set B oriented is in some way or another going through that filter. Does that potentially help me achieve that? Does it teach me something that's going to help me? Is it going to grow me in some way? Yes. Then let's try it. No, then I don't have the time for it. Jason, you are everything. <laughs> I don't think I could have asked for a more solid answer because if you're listening right now, you just realized how to go figure it out. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, so that was the one thing I want to bring up. The second thing is totally this book. I know you're about to go market mm-hmm. it. I want to understand if you don't mind telling us a little bit more of what you meant by the discovery of um, what you had been studying about change. Is there anything specific yeah. to this book or in this book that that you can speak to now that kind of helps us understand what positive change could look like and, and all those findings? Yeah. So 
you know, it's funny the 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 crystallizing insight that helped me pull together all these random threads and that I had had of stories and ways things work and theories and stuff like work your next job and whatever was actually watching us go through the pandemic together. Because what I saw was that, I mean, look, I spend a lot of my day talking to entrepreneurs who are pretty fast moving, fast thinking people. And what I saw them do is fairly rapidly go through what I realized were four phases. And those phases were panic. That's very familiar. And then adaptation, then new normal, and then wouldn't go back. And by wouldn't go back, I mean that they reach some moment where they say, this new thing that I have, whether I was looking for it or not originally, this new thing is so valuable to me that I wouldn't want to go back to a time before I had it. That's transformative. And that's how people transform their lives and transform their businesses. They, they have some new way of doing things. And the wild thing is that the new, the new thing that they're doing is often not some crazy idea. It's just something that they had never considered before, or they had considered it and they discarded it because they thought that it wasn't perfect or possible or just a good idea. And then when change comes along, what it does is it forces us to reconsider the impossible, to say, you know, these ideas that we had put inside of our boundaries, that we said, these are the things that are good and pure. And those things outside the boundaries are impossible and crazy. Well, stuff inside my boundaries doesn't work as much anymore. I guess I got to go look outside. And this is what I saw people do. I saw people do this. And I thought, okay, this is a really valuable insight. If I can take everything that I've learned and go talk to some people some more and basically fill out how do these steps work? How do people, why, why do people panic and how do you get through the panic? How do you then adapt? How do you look around at the, the resources available? How do you build a new normal? How do you start to lay the groundwork for something? And then what does it mean to actually identify a wouldn't go back moment? And then how do you implement it? If I could figure that out, then I, I'd, I'd, I'd have the solution to the problem that I was grappling with, which is that I had a lot of insights and I didn't exactly know what to do with them. And, and I think that's a, that's a place where so many people are, where you feel like I, have, I know how to do all these things or have all these skills or have all these thoughts. And I just don't, I just don't know what to do with them. People feel that. I felt that. I didn't know what to do with this stuff. And I was trying, but when I look back on what I was doing three years ago, it wasn't anywhere nearly as good as what I'm doing now. And, and I'm sure that three years from now, I'm going to look back at this moment that I'm in right now. I'm going to say, boy, that was, that was a B for effort, I guess. Like, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but all I know is that you continue to progress and that a moment like this creates that opportunity for us. I talked to this guy named Brian Berkey, who is a business ethics and legal studies professor at Wharton and uh, asked him why moments of great disruption, like a pandemic, can create opportunity. And his answer to me was, because moments of great change force us to reconsider the options. No, he said, <laughs> I was screwing it up with my own language. He said that it forces us to shift the window on what we're willing to collectively take seriously. I really liked that. Shift the window on what we're willing to collectively take seriously, which is to say, there's a range of options. There's always a range of options. We've built a little window to look through and we see some of those options. And now 
a moment of disruption comes along and it says, you know what? The way that we've been operating doesn't work anymore. Even something as simple as, you know, everyone used to be in an office and the idea of working from home was terrible. We're going to shift this window. We're going to look at some other options. We're going to take seriously things that we didn't take seriously before. And that is transformative. And the crazy thing is you don't need a pandemic to do that. You can do that all the time. But the pandemic forced us to do it. And it forced me to do it. And I think we're all better for it. Could not agree more. Wow, 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 wow. They're just going to name your episode, wow. <laughs> you could talk and it's just like gold, uh, gold verbiage. Like just, this is so resourceful. And I think that, you know, for anybody who's, who's known who you were, has listened to your podcasts, which will be linked in the description, um, you know, and I'm really excited to see this book officially go out to market because then, I mean, I couldn't even imagine the findings and conversations you had in that sense. Speaking of though, Mm -hmm. Jason, you've talked with so many people and I'm sure you've interviewed and had to write about and, or had been in rooms with so many different types of entrepreneurs. And I think that word sometimes, as you probably know better than I do, is just loosely thrown around as this, you know, I'm starting a business. I'm an entrepreneur. I have yeah. an idea. I'm an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. is there something valuable that you found while being the editor in chief of this huge national publication that has allowed you to realize what the true definition of an entrepreneur is and what is that? Well, so I would, I would scratch the word true because I think that everyone has their own definition and people ask me a version of this question a lot. And at the very beginning, I I didn't know what to say when I first started at Entrepreneur. I didn't know how to answer this question. And spending enough time with a lot of people brought me to an answer. And the answer is this. To me, an entrepreneur is someone who makes things happen for themselves. Full stop. Doesn't mean that you have a particular kind of career. Doesn't even mean that you started your own business. Because I think that an entrepreneur is as much a mindset as it is anything else. And that's not to take away, look, if you have started your own business and gone through that hardship and you don't like that someone who's just like knitting stuff and putting it on eBay is calling themselves an entrepreneur, well, look, there's degrees of everything and you can use some other word to call yourself something if you'd like. But I will tell you that to me, the thing that everybody has in common who uses the word entrepreneur and uses it truly is that they are all in some way or another going through the experience of entrepreneurship. That's the thing that unites everybody, the experience of it, feeling lonely, crazy, going up against challenges that you just not only don't know how to solve, didn't know existed. These are hard things and they're pretty similar relative to each other, right? The, the, you know, the person running a a venture back company in Silicon Valley is going through different day-to-day challenges as somebody who's just selling stuff on eBay, but they both have the same emotional experience of it. It's challenging. For the, they're, they're out of their comfort zone. They're trying to figure things out. And I think that's great. This is a great place to be. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, have, I have the absolute pleasure. I mean, it's, it's really the greatest part of the job is that I just have access to everybody. And that's really cool from A-list celebrities to just really smart people running main street businesses. I, I, I talk to them all. And I will tell you that sitting down and having a real conversation with like Jimmy Fallon, who's on the cover of the magazine this month, or well, we're talking in Jan- in February, whenever people are listening is different, I guess. But anyway, Jan Feb covers Jimmy Fallon. And, um, 
you know, I sat down, I had a, I had a hour plus conversation with Jimmy about like how he found his why, his purpose. And, you know, you can have a version of that conversation with somebody who's running a deli down the street and it's the same conversation, right? It's not any different. Jimmy's working at a different scale, but same emotional experience. And I think that we need to make room for everybody who wants to be along that journey. I love that. We do need to make room because then I was going to ask you one final question. And instead Mm -hmm. of what I had planned and baked, I'm going to now ask you what you think your, or what you know, your why is since you had asked Jimmy that I'm curious to know what yours is. Oh, you know, so it is, I tell stories in my own voice is, is that, that line um, that I used earlier is, is really the why for me. And I got to that because I, I used to identify as a newspaper reporter at the very beginning. And then I, I I realized that I didn't want to be in newspapers and that caused something of an existential crisis. If I'm a newspaper reporter, but I'm not being a newspaper reporter, what am I exactly? And it's, uh, it's a hard thing to answer. And I think that we all go through some version of that. And what I have come to really appreciate about entrepreneurs is that they do a really good job of separating what they do from why they do it. What is the thing that drives them? And look, I, you know, when I say why, like I, what I'm saying, what I'm really talking about is like, what's the thing at your core that drives you to develop skills, which enable you to do the tasks that ultimately are the product of your work? Like, what is that thing? And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, um, lofty. It doesn't have to, right. It, it can be, it can be anything. And I've had, I've had so many conversations. I mean, for Jimmy, it was, can it make, can it make people happy? That was, that was Jimmy's why. And, uh, and I've heard, um, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Stacy London is a friend of mine. Um, she hosted a show called what not to wear for like 10 years or something. And, um, and now she runs, she's the CEO and owner of a company called state of menopause, which makes products to help, um, help people who are experiencing menopause and menopausal symptoms. And, uh, you know, like how on earth do you go from one to the other? It was, it was actually a really difficult transition for her until she figured out that her primary thing, the thing that is like deepest inside of her is, and these, these were her words, she is a truth talker. She's a truth talker, right? So she wants to get to people's truth. She want, and, and for a while, that was about style. She's going to cut to it. She's going to tell you the truth and she's going to help you be your best through that. And now she's, she's doing it in this other way where like people don't talk enough about menopause and she has experienced it and she wants other people to, she's a truth talker. That was the thing that enabled her to go from one to a completely, totally separate career. And I think the more that you identify that thing inside of you, the more flexible you will be because you'll realize that like, when something comes along and it changes the what, when it changes like what you do, that does not change who you are. Those are separate things. So yeah, for me, it, that you know, I, I came up with that line. I don't even know. It, it might have been, it could have been ten years ago. I came up with that line. I tell stories in my own voice, and and when I did, it just clarified so much. We could get off this call right now, and I could open my inbox and I could learn that entrepreneur has fired me or that uh, it has closed down or you know something terrible. Uh, and that would be a bummer, but it wouldn't take away, I tell stories in my own voice. It wouldn't, it wouldn't dent it at all. And that's where the real power is. And you heard his story with his real voice right here, right now. Jason, 
Oh my, listen, I'm going to knock on all this wood that you don't have an inbox email of any kind like that. But listen, (laughs) I loved hearing all of this. I hope you're tuning in right now had also loved hearing everything. It's almost like I had to ask you one question and you unfolded so much more than I would have expected. I had nine questions here and asked one. So I just want to thank you for being as open uh, and transparent as you did as we were having that discussion. So listen, Jason, you are someone that, as I mentioned before, I'd looked at and watched for a very long time. And it's very extraordinary to see your career for one. But number two, the things that you've learned and, and been able to like now impose on people and now with this new book as well, and including your podcast and everything you do with the entrepreneur. Like there's just so much here uh, that we were able to talk about in 30 minutes, my friends. So thank you for saying yes. Y'all don't know this. I just blind emailed him and he just responded. (laughs) Yes, I did. Well, I mean, how can you not, how can you not be uh, uh, deemed the man of the hour? It's a hard thing to turn down. You don't turn that down. So uh, no, thank you. And and sorry for the additional prep work that you had to do. You could, we, who knew I was a wind up doll and all you had to do was, uh, was pull the string. Um, so no, thank you. I really, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's great to talk with you. Uh, if anybody wants to check that book out, it's called Build for Tomorrow. It officially comes out September 6th, 2022. But if you go to Amazon, it's available right now. So uh, grab it. If you pre-order it, uh, you're my best friend. Uh, DM me on Instagram and I'll, um, I don't know. I will, I will, I will thank you in a very oh. enthusiastic way. So uh, anyway, I appreciate it. That's it. Pre-save link, Instagram, everything about the entrepreneur and Jason will be in the link description below. Thank you for tuning in. And again, thank you so much, Jason. Thank you. Hey, it's Justin again. And before you exit this very episode, wherever you're listening, I want to say thank you for being here. I hope you learned something new and are leaving more inspired by the conversation you just heard. Men of the Hour is also on Instagram and YouTube at Men of the Hour Podcast, where you can find all of our video sneak peek exclusives and full episodes. Be sure to follow and subscribe and do all those great things so that we can stay connected. And right before you jump, I would love to hear from you if you would put a rating and review right here where you're listening. Until next Monday, continue taking care of yourself and building the best possible life.